Money Sense is brought to you by Ellen Becker Investment Group, four-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com and listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Christina Schnuckel, Wealth Advisor and Director of Client Experience for Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just north of I-94 between Highways 164 and Highway F in Ridgeview Corporate Park and in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also serve clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today on the show is Robin Gulberg. She is um, the owner and founder of Beyond College Consulting. And Robin's here today to share with us a little bit about college consulting and that landscape and how it's changed. So Robin, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Um, yes, my name is Robin Gulberg, and I'm an independent college counselor with Beyond College Consulting Group. Um, I would like to talk today about how I got started in this industry. This industry is one that is um, much needed in our community with how vastly our college landscape is changing. It used to be that everybody applied, most likely could get in, could kind of develop their college list with reach schools to quote, quote, safety schools. Unfortunately, things have changed and mostly have changed since 2020 after our pandemic. How I got started in this industry was my passion for finding the right fit for high school students to be successful in their college experience. And when I say fit, I'm saying the financial fit, academic fit, and social fit. I have three children of my own, um, twins that are now 25, that went to University of Georgia and Indiana University, and I have a current junior at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. I found the journeys of all three kids very differently. Not only is all my three kids different in their personalities, their journeys, but how, um, what school would fit them the most. I ended up with the twins not ever taking them on the college, same college visit. So that ended up to be about 23 college tours. Now I would not suggest that, but I would tell you that gives you a lot of education in what's out there and to kind of compare for each student. That got me started. When we moved here to Wisconsin six years ago, I found my passion just increased. When my daughter, being um, in the school public school system and experiencing the 504 plan, because of um, academic being really difficult, academics being really difficult for her, I knew the right school for her to be successful needed to take a lot of time and research. Today, she is very successful on the president's dean list. Just got a t uh, phone call from her last uh, spring that said, Mom, how did I become so smart? And I chuckled, and I thought to myself, she really didn't. It was the idea of the right fit of school for her with the type of services through the Center of Disabilities that was able to make her be successful in her college experience. 
You know, Robin, just hearing you say that, the college landscape sounds like it really has changed because I remember my college application process and the things you mentioned. Um, I don't think I even took into consideration of the social fit. Um, there was obviously the academic piece of getting in there and making sure that they offered majors in what I was looking to study. But it was kind of one of these things in southeastern Wisconsin. You apply to Madison. That's where you go. And so hearing you talk about these different avenues now of figuring out where kids have the best chance to be successful is huge. You know, when I look at my three kids, my oldest is 14. So we're just kind of getting to that place where we're starting to think about school. And we have always felt that a traditional college experience, he was going to have a very difficult time with. So I love hearing, you know, this story about your daughter and how successful she's been on the dean's list. That's amazing. I bet that went really far with just building her confidence. Exactly. You know, you have a lot of students that just aren't your academic, follow the traditional path. Um, and maybe they're more into the arts. Maybe they're more um, into more the sports. What is it that the child is identifies with that makes them their own? What is their own story? What I like to do is I sit with a student and really my passion is is finding out that student's story and what makes them them and how we can develop that as they grow into young adults. So when you do say the fit socially, when you look at a student that maybe is more introverted, maybe likes the smaller um, social groups, uh, maybe is in a one-to-one environment, you, a Madison environment might be very tough for them being so big and trying to find their place. So to directing them of where the right path for them and making it okay. Um, what I found the last two years that really got me passionate in the field is so many students would apply to st- the schools they're hearing as the water cooler talk, as you say. You know, everybody, you know, maybe in that locally, where is the new school of choice today? It can be because of the football team's done real good in the last year, and that's making a certain S- SEC school really hot right now to apply to. Or it could be because grandpa, mom and dad, oldest sibling went to that particular university, so that means I need to go. But is that university the right for them? So then all of a sudden, the admissions comes, um, the, the, the decision, and it could be a rejection letter. And so instead of feeling like maybe that wasn't the right school fit, they feel the low self-esteem and the, um, everything that they're experiencing and more of a mental health issue, then really that wasn't the right one for you. What we want to do is we really want to get students to be successful. That's the bottom line. We want them to graduate. We want them to go search their dreams and out in the real world. And so when they're planning at a, at a, for a high schooler, and no matter if you get a high schooler, let's say, as a freshman, incoming, rising freshman or rising junior, senior, they still are waffling. They don't really know what they want. I have so many boys right now to say, I want engineering. And I'll ask them, okay, what does that entail? What is an engineer? Where are you going to work? What kind of job description is that? And they're unable to tell me. And I think that is because they're just hearing what they should be saying or should be going into versus are we really looking at that person um, and what their strengths and weaknesses would be to make them successful in their uh, career force. Absolutely. You know, funny enough, this past weekend, we were playing the game of life with my two youngest children. Do you remember that game? Oh, yes. So they made a new version. It's shortened. Um, It doesn't take three and a half hours to play anymore. But what was most interesting about it is you got to pick these career cards. 
And everyone in that game picks these career cards based on what the stated salary is. And I found my daughter, who's nine, she picked the career card that was the career that she wanted. She picked the fashion design card. But she became really unhappy um, with that because of the money in the game. And it opened up this whole conversation that we were having about how you shouldn't base your career alone off a salary. You should base it off of what makes you happy, what brings that passion. Because she's one of those kids that from day one, you knew she's going to do something in the arts. And I don't see that changing. Um, So when you say, you know, all these boys want to go into engineering, is it because they they know that there's jobs, there's good salaries, but um, without passion for that career or the education that's going to help support it and kind of ignite that passion, it's it's kind of like the game of life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We all know that when we do something we like, we're successful. And that can be the simplest thing in, in our daily living Uh, activities to your career choice. If we like it and we're passionate, we will be successful. And that could be in a financial, that could be giving it back to the community, what what that entails for you. Um, And I think right now high schools are very busy. I think what we need to do is really take some time each student to be able to explore what types of uh, professions are out there and do a lot of shadowing. Um, And that takes time and it takes resources of the idea of just to go out and say, hey, I would really like to be a nurse. Well, once that child gets in to be a CNA, let's say a certified nursing assistant, or volunteers at the local um, nursing home, do they like the setting? And has that changed for them? And I think to really provide some um, real-life situations is good, uh, volunteer opportunities. So when I hear students right now to say, I like a field, I really encourage them to volunteer somewhere, to shadow um, people, to really kind of go out there and say, what, what does that entail? I also like to do personality tests, real simple uh, personality tests, very simple compared to the Myers-Briggs that we used to do back then, but the idea of just showing them their strengths and weaknesses and to then to capitalize on, this is a strength of yours, like you mentioned your daughter, arts, you knew that from day one. Us parents or people that know children, we can kind of tell they're more the mathematical brain, how are they way of thinking, and then really to say that you've been given this gift, this is what makes you. Now, where and the, the, what career, what major, or what school would you be um, like to go down that path? I'd like to also give kids, there's too much pressure right now. So when the idea is that you, when we were younger, we would have to decide, you know, our sophomore year of what pre, you know, do our general eds the first couple years of college, and then can decide to declare a major. Unfortunately, now it is ideally and financially wise to pick the right major or the right school to go into because it does take time to, to switch. Transfer credits might not, or you might be going a little bit longer than the four-year plan. Um, and so I'd like to do some of this research to at least get them on the right, right path if it's something down the medical lines. Maybe we don't know what type of medicine yet, or you know if it's going to be an occupational therapist all the way to um, a nurse or a PA or a physician. Or is it more the engineering track? Is it do you like art, chemical, uh, mechanical, or do you like architectural engineering? And to go down that path, or is it you know I'm like I'm a liberal arts. I love psychology, but I don't know what I want to do with that. And I want so I want children to students to really be able to know they can explore, but also kind of be a little narrow in the same time. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with Robin in just a few minutes.
Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Christina Schnuckel. My guest today is Robin Goldberg from the Beyond College Consulting. Robin is here today sharing some insights with us into the college admission landscape and what that can look like for our kids that are even just starting the high school process. Robin, in our in our previous segment, you had mentioned just how different things have become in the college admission world and how when you and I went to college, we could take those general education credits our freshman, our sophomore year, and really start to narrow in more on our major junior and sometimes even senior year, essentially. But you're seeing you're seeing a change in that. I am. And it's good and bad. What I'm seeing the mostly is that they're making it colleges majority and don't mean to generalize but majority of universities are making it very difficult to be able to switch a major or a school within their university after uh, freshman year I will give example my daughter declared psychology as a major and by six weeks into her freshman year decided elementary education she was already two classes behind so that then to play catch up to get those prerequisites to get in the school change to a college of education was very difficult and required some um, some skill set to be able to do that what what is happening is that when you walk into a university right now they have it pretty organized of what you need to take to stay on the path of a four-year degree now I'm not saying it's not you're not able to with between J term classes or summer or taking um, a fifth year and that is very acceptable but to be financially um, sound and to make it the right decisions really to walk in you need to stay roughly about in the same school within that university I, I feel sad for students that like to change. I do encourage them to change if they're not happy because I do think they need, it, need that exploratory time. They need to know that it is okay and a fifth year is okay but to be, to be successful later in life. But right now the trend is colleges are getting you into that school and making it very difficult to transfer majors. Other trends, it's very interesting. The college trend bet- between now and the next two to three years is a very interesting roller coaster ride. Um, I mentioned that pandemic really changed things. And the one thing they changed was this uh, optional for ACT, SAT score. I've heard more parents say, well, it's optional, so I'm not going to submit it. 93% of universities today are saying that the ACT, SAT score is optional in their admission process. Unfortunately, that is not should not be the case in, with most, most um, student submissions. What I mean about that is that if a student falls above the 50th percentile in a college freshman class, per their like GPA grades, then they should submit an ACT SAT score. They, it is um, only optional from some universities based on how they, their, their GPA is correlated to what type of student they are. I suggest that right now that every student, for instance, takes the ACT or the SAT seriously and tries and not acts like said optional to see where they fall and to see then if they, that with some guidance if they should submit that score or not in their admission um, application. So, for instance, in 2022, 
47% of applicants submitted a standards test score compared to 78% in 21. And that is leaving universities with a lot of unknown. They, they don't know how right now as a measurable um, what to look at when they're looking at an application. If they have some scores, some not. And what they're all trying to do, majorities of universities, is waiting to get gather the data and look at graduation retention rates. Is the same um, student that does, does not submit a score graduating to the same student that submitted a score, what kind of rates is that? And that will all determine. So right now, I'm very fond of the uh, student taking the test and, and uh, proceeding forward um, and seeing how that goes for them. That's really interesting to hear, Robin, because I have um, mostly just heard that it is optional. And when it's optional, I'm hearing from parents, from students that they're not taking the test, they're not submitting the test. Um, no one likes taking those standardized tests, or I should say very few people like taking those standardized tests. But it sounds like it really is that differentiator that is helping the college admission process um, determine who's getting those spots when there's maybe kids that kind of all fall into the same range. Exactly. If you had a 4.0 GPA um, student that did not submit a score, that a university is going to wonder why. If you had a low-performing GPA student that did not perform, a did not send a score, then they understand that that student has gifts other in other directions, maybe in the arts, sports, and they're just not um, academically um, performing in that in that direction. Um, so yes, that is something that to really consider as a myth. What's happened also, another myth, is that the application volume has just increased. Because of the optional um, tests, standardized tests, now everybody on the common application can just put submit. And the 2022 submission rate for the for college applications, it was up 7.5% from previous years which means that students that one might not apply to university because they did not meet that um, standardized test score, they're just pushing click anyways because they think that maybe there's a chance I could potentially get in and play the game of not submitting a score. So for example, Auburn University admission rate dropped 85% to 24% in 22 admission cycle. So what I mean by that is that they had all these applicants but their admission rate of what students they took dropped down to 24%. So high competition students with a high increase application volume is what's happening right now. So the most qualified student cannot assume that they're going to get admitted into a safety school or be guaranteed anymore an offer of admission. We used to hear, like I said at the beginning, a REACH school or a safety school. And right now, there is no safety school. You might think, oh, I for sure will get into that university and be denied, but then get accepted into a university that you didn't think you had. So it's very an unpredictable time regarding that trend. Thanks, Robin. We will be back with more from Robin at Beyond College Consulting after a short break.
Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Christina Schnuckel. My guest today is Robin Goldberg from Beyond College Consulting. Robin has been talking to us today about the changing landscape of the college application process and how you can help your kids, grandkids navigate that process through tools that Robin's able to provide through her consulting. Robin, before we took our last break, we were talking about the changing landscape and the trends that you were seeing. So you were seeing that SAT, ACT scores, they're really not optional, even though schools are saying that they are optional. What are some of the other trends that you're still seeing? In the application process, you will see different deadlines. One is early action, one is early decision, and one is regular decision. Usually early action for university means that you're getting the application submitted by November 1st. Regular decision is anywhere sometimes in January, February. It has been known over the last couple of years to definitely try to get the application, college application in by November 1st, early action. It sets you at the beginning. It means that you're serious, that you really like that school and have interest. Well, the new trend now is early decision. Yes, early decision has been around for a while. What that means is it's a binding decision, which means I really want to go to X university. And no matter what, if I get accepted, I will be going there. It's binding. The negative with an early decision, which most people do not like, and very understandably, is that when it is, you you have to be binding no matter if you know the financial package, what that university is going to give you. So you are saying, yes, that I will go no matter what scholarship money, financial aid they will they will give me to attend that university. The new, it, it, just starting this year, is early decision two, which means playing the game with applications in, if I really want to go to X school, and it's okay, depending on all the factors, applying early decision, then applying to Y school, early decision two, and then several schools as early action. So I didn't get into X school early decision one. So that puts me into the pool for early decision two at Y school. I still did not get in, but then I still have all the other schools in early action that I applied for. Or I got in my first one, or I got in my second one. So as you can see, it's a game. It's kind of maneuvering based on all the factors of that student, what their interest is, and how it all the fit, looking at their financial and academic interests, and how to always um, kind of play into. And that is something new, is to really be strategic on that. What also is the term deferment. It is now being widely used in universities. University of Wisconsin-Madison just reported that they deferred 17,000 of its 45,000 early action applicants in 2022 cycle. And what they're looking at is they're looking at all the type of students. So they're deferring them. Then they're going back once they've got their pool of students that have applied and going through and seeing what are their needs in each of the colleges and based on what their statistic numbers are and looking at the type of students. So that is something that's very well known is for a student to be deferred, which means then they will give them a date of when they will know by, usually it's sometime in March or April, that they either got off the deferment, they either accepted, have been rejected, or they will be waitlisted further into the later spring, summer months. Another trend that is really an unknown area right now is the chat GPT. We're hearing a lot about it of the AI world right now as we're all facing. 
and some changes with the college application will be coming down the road. It's unknown right now. But we do know that essays could, can potentially be written some to some extent with the chat GPT. And that is something that the colleges are taking very seriously. There is software to see if a essay, college essay was written by AI. Um, and so different parameters and, and are being um, implemented this year and will be coming down for further application years as the AI world expands. So we're seeing a lot more universities wanting to submit like a video essay versus a written essay. And I see that a trend in the next couple of years as well that we need to be aware of. So that's really interesting because you're right, AI is something that we're hearing about every day. I hadn't thought about the application process and how it could impact that. So you had shared with me personally, Robin, because you and I sat down yesterday with my oldest, who's entering yes. his freshman year of high school, um, that at this point, the goal is really to make yourself stand out and to be as unique as you can as it pertains to those college admission essays. Um, but what about the things that incoming freshmen or even sophomores, um, what should they be focusing on now to keep as many doors open, as many possibilities open to them for the college application process. Because we talked earlier about the optional standardized testing, schools really have to look at many, many as different aspects of a student. So the ideal student has to have a well-rounded, diverse background in their portfolio. A student now needs, quote, quote, a resume, a student profile of what makes them up. So for instance, I really want to work with a student in understanding that they need to look at all parts of themselves and how what makes them um, important in the community and to themselves uniquely. For example, not only are we looking at grades and how they can really foster the best work they can do and the type of classes regarding themselves and their, and their intellect, but number two is their involvement. Is their school involvement in sports? clubs. Where can they expand themselves, put themselves out there, challenge themselves to be a part of a club? And now if they are a part of a school club, what do they do in that club? Are they using that club to the fullest that they can? Are they showing themselves that I am putting one step in front of the other? Am I, um, am I just a passive participant? Or am I taking on challenges and trying to be an active participant in a club? And the clubs doesn't matter what the name is. It's just what kind of active role they are. The second thing is leadership. Where do they show leadership in the, in the world? Are they a leader in their community? Are they a leader in, in a club? Are they a leader in a sport? But where are they challenging themselves to be a leader? We all can be leaders. It's just how we do it within ourselves and, and our own, own unique personality. Another area is community service. How do they give back to the community? Are they doing something to help others in our community? And colleges really, really focus on that as well. A college does not want to see that you were involved for a club for one year or a four-hour session. They want to know that you showed loyalty, you showed um, passion, you showed interest in what you did within that club. So when you mentioned, I love to meet with rising freshmen and sophomores to really Understand, when you walk into high school or you walk into now your sophomore year after the unknown of being a freshman in high school, where can you make a difference in school? Where part of the high school do you like to be in and how? where can you be involved in? 
Now, not all students can be involved. They have other things um, after school. For instance, taking care of siblings, working, and that is very important too. Taking care of grandma, an elderly person. Those all can be written in a college application, and they're just as important as being involved in a club. And it shows their work ethic. It shows their loyalty. It shows a student's responsibility and how they follow um, a structured, organized work ethic into, um, into our community. That community involvement is huge, too. And as you were saying that, Robin, the thought came to me that it takes a village. And when I was sitting down with you yesterday and my oldest, um, that's what kind of hit me as, wow, this landscape has changed so dramatically. I'm so thankful that I have Robin to come alongside and partner with us on this because I think it came across yesterday to my son that that it gets real now. It starts his freshman year, but he needs to start thinking about all of those things and positioning himself to have those opportunities when it comes to school. So when you do start working with these kids younger, you know, freshmen, sophomore, as they're as they're figuring out what really is what really makes them special, how they build out that resume about them. How do you then translate that to helping them figure out what colleges are going to be the best fit academically and socially and financially? Exactly. And that's going back to your son, it's really good to sit down and say, "What do you want to do in high school?" Are you, are you going down the soccer route or are you going down the drama route? Are you going down the student senate route? And to really talk to them about how this is important to be involved early on. Now, a rising senior that has been involved, that's okay as well. But I don't. I think it's real important to get to these kids to understand, hey, I want to get to this X school and how do I get there? And, that's, and that journey takes some time. So the fit I spend a lot of time on. I feel it is part of the... Uh, a pie I kind of divided up and really getting the for instance getting the goals what is the parents goals what is the students goals now grant sometimes you're talking to a 14 16 year old 17 year old they don't know but you can really learn about their personality by really sitting down with them over a table at a coffee shop and getting to know them their interests their passions what are they liking what do they gravitate towards so you can kind of understand socially what type of school are they interested in you get mom and dad's goals. Are they somebody that we would like to stay drivable, two-hour drivable? Or are we okay to go to a school that we can be a direct flight? Um, do we want in-state tuition, out-of-state tuition? And kind of talking through that a little bit. We talked a little bit about academic goals. We want, do we want to be a big fish in a little pond or um, a small fish in a big pond? And how you can make yourself, are you going to a large university and how, where can you find your spot versus a small school? It's hard to make bigger into a bigger school. And what kind of things are important to them? Game day, is it real important to be experience a Saturday football game where that's not really a priority to you? You enjoy other opportunities, culture around the area. I have a big survey that um, I have the kids do and as well as the parents. And we really talk about, go through that and see what the goals match up and see, okay, where are we at? I encourage college visits from anything very local. We have wonderful local universities right here in our Milwaukee area to even driving just as two hours away. Now, they might not say I'm not interested in those universities, but it's really important to go. Go on a pretty fall, spring day when the students are walking around to see, I like this school because of this aspect or I don't because of this aspect. I tell my students to text me right after a college tour their first reactions of the words. I want you to text me of what you thought. What was your first reaction? 
I'll never forget, I had a student that went to Northwestern, went to their um, campus tour, sat there during the campus tour, looked around and says, oh my goodness, this boy next to me had the chemistry time, chemistry tables on his shoes next to me. I don't think I fit in. (coughs) Now, I'm not saying that the child wouldn't have fit in, but he looked around and he really got a feel for the environment. And I think that tells a lot of their gut reactions. Thanks, Robin. We'll be back after a short break. To Money Sense, I'm Christina Schnuckel. My guest today is Robin Gulberg from Beyond College Consulting. We were just talking with Robin about all the changing landscapes and the college application process and really what it means to be an independent college counselor, which I'm finding out is like having your own personal advocate for your kids through this college application process. Robin was talking about the best fit and how we figure out what schools really are appropriate to meet all the goals that our kids have as well as parents have. So Robin, share with us a little bit more on how you find the best fit for our families. Well, I was just describing a little bit of getting to know and building a relationship with the student as well as the parents and, and um, establishing goals of what each has. There is 2,500 universities out in the United States to choose from. Beyond what we can imagine, there is a fit for everybody. So when I hear the comment, oh, I'm not sure my child should go to college, I always ask a student, why do you say that? Because I feel there is a college for everybody out there. We look at the academic, the social, and the financial. Is that university affordable to them? Does it make sense to go there per their um, degree? For instance, just an example, Notre Dame, you would not go for early elementary ed, nor do they have that major. It would not be financially sound um, in attending that school. A lot of private schools do give merit scholarship. I really don't want people to dismiss looking at the wonderful private schools we have. So really deciding public, private. Is there going to be financial loans, merit scholarships? The location of the school, the size of the school, the accessibility of the school, diversity, equity, internship, research opportunities. What is the university's graduation rates, employment rates, and the safety of the school? So when I look at FIT, each student will tell me different things. One student will tell me they're really excited about the new dorms. They want to stay in a new dorm. One mom will tell me, I want the school to be in a very safe area versus an urban city. Everybody has their own unique requirement that's important to them in finding the right fit of a school for them. So Robin, you touched on the financial fit because obviously that has to be Um, taken into consideration. Um, Just with your example of Notre Dame, of going to that school, um, that may be out of reach for a lot of families financially if there aren't scholarships or whatnot available. How do you help families navigate the um, financial aid landscape with college? And even, you know, processing that FAFSA application that as as a parent kind of gives us cold chills when we know that we're going to have to start putting that information together. Yes, the word FAFSA is just a scary word. 
Um, everybody is like, no, do I have to do that? Or I'll never get any um, financial assistance, so I'm not going to um, fill out the FAFSA. I encourage everyone to fill out the FAFSA. We need to fill that out for any merit scholarship, majority of merit scholarships, as well as if there's any scholarship opportunities. We don't know what changing times, what's going to happen in a couple months. So maybe the student will need to end up um, um, applying for a loan. So it's very important to have to complete that FAFSA. This year, the FAFSA has changed. It's always um, deadline of coming out October 1st. This year, it's coming out December 1st. And the reason for that is they're simplifying it. They've been, the government has been working on the last two years simplifying the FAFSA. The questions have been reduced from 108 questions that it used to be to now 46 questions. So you're going to find by filling it out, if you've done it in the past, it is going to be a lot simplifier simplified and a lot easier to fill out. Um, one thing is, is when you do fill out, you need everything right there with you. That's the biggest thing I say when you fill out the FAFSA is your organization. Have the last couple years of tax returns right in front of you. Pay stubs. Have any information of um, child support, anything of income. Have that right there. The minute you have it there, then it will be easy access and you'll be able to they talk you through and input that information. I also really suggest you talking to your financial aid <laughs> advisor about the FAFSA. If you have any questions, should I put that income down? Where does this go? Find out the answers. Don't just put it there thinking, oh, I'll, it might not make a difference. It does make a difference. So really search out if you have any questions. And there's a lot of resources. Um, if you look up the Wisconsin um, FAFSA, of places to go to ask questions as well as your financial advisors. More data this year of the new FAFSA is going to be transferred from the IRS. So with us filling out less questions, the reduction, now the IRS is going to be able to implement the records will go back and forth. I'm excited to see this new FAFSA. Um, I have sat down with parents and really helped them through the 108 questions. So I'm intrigued when it does come out this fall. I think it's going to be unknown to a lot of people, but I encourage everyone to do it so that you have it on file just in case you do need to use those resources for any type of federal student loan. Other things are there's lots of um, scholarship opportunities, not only in individual university opportunities for scholarships, schools, communities, and majority of these scholarships are untouched. So I'd like to be creative and help students if they had an interest in whatever aspect to see if there's a scholarship out there. I have twins. My Both of my twins, we applied for twin scholarships, and they did get some. The scholarships add up. There's not a number you, you are a, a max number of scholarships you can obtain. Um, so you apply for a lot of different ones. Does it create more work on the student? Yes. It creates them to more essay writing. By that time, they're tired after their college essay. But I will tell you, it's very, very beneficial to be creative in what scholarships to apply for and to really do the research and finding them. Robin, this information today has been so helpful. Um, I see such a large application for what you do and how you can help families above and beyond the resources that their high schools might offer through their guidance counselor of working with families. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and your passion with us today. Um, so if you have questions for Robin, um, her website is beyondcollegeconsulting.com. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. 
Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 p.m. to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 p.m. to 1 p.m. If you enjoyed today's show and want to learn more about EIG and our upcoming events, please visit ellenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. As always, I hope we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. If you enjoyed our program today with Robin, please join us for a complimentary seminar on October 10th at 5.30 to 7 p.m. at our Waukesha office, where Robin is going to be talking about all the stuff that we heard today on the program, as well as how to navigate the changing college admission process and setting your high school student up for a successful college career. To RSVP for the seminar, please head to ellenbecker.com.